Well, praise God, everyone. So good to see you this morning. And we just thank God for that time of just worshiping him through praise and worshiping him in our giving. That we can just feel God's presence uh, with us today as we just rest and depend upon him. And I also just want to thank God for all of our, our visitors and friends. Thank you for being here today with us. And thank you for allowing uh, the Lord to use us to minister uh, his grace and his mercy and his love to you. Because what we've learned about the love of God is if and when you have the love of God, you cannot keep it to yourself. You must share it with somebody. And we're so thankful that we get to share it with you today. Uh, we've been spending our last couple of weeks uh, at the beginning of this new year of 2020 uh, talking a little bit about the vision and the plan that God has for us as a, as a body of believers uh, throughout this next year. And the vision theme has been Vision 2020 that you may know, that you would know the hope of God's calling, that you would know the riches of his glory, and that you would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. And it's so important that we grab hold to that word who believe. Uh, because that who believing means that not that we can do it for ourselves, not that we can do any work or that's sufficient to earn God's love or, or grace. He loves us and he gives us his grace. But we believe. And upon believing upon Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are adopted into the beloved. We become children of God. And there is no ifs and buts about it. When you're a child of God, he places a calling upon your life. He's rich in his blessings towards you. And that his exceeding greatness of his power dwells on the inside of you. And it's so important that we spend some time talking about that. So thank you for allowing me to share this with you. Uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the exceeding greatness of his power. And when we hear that word power, it's probably a lot of things that comes to mind. You know, there are athletes that, that lifts a whole lot of weights to, get, to, to garner power. Would you agree? Uh, and, and, and to be the best that they can be in their, their chosen field or sport. There are politicians that seek to gain power and position and, and, uh, and leaders within this world and our nations. Uh, but there's a power that's given to the believer. And it's so important that we see what the scriptures say. It's not something that we pat on our backs about or something that we try to, you know, exalt authority over others. But it's given by God, and so it comes from God. It is his power that he shares with us. So I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about that today. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 19 and 20. Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 19 and 20. Because true power, which is the ability to exercise authority effectively, belongs to God alone, belongs to God alone. And we see in scripture that the only true strength is the omnipotent sovereignty exercised by God, the self-will of God, 
that he's God all by himself, that he's God alone, that he doesn't need anybody to pat him on the back or let him know that, that he's God. Uh, uh, he already knows that. And he's a loving, gracious God, but he's also a God of authority. He's a God that, that's going to judge sin and this world uh, because sin leads to death. And death is the opposite of God because God is life. Jesus said it most importantly in John 10. He said, the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. And so God is exercising his life through his power in us. And so as we turn to Ephesians 1, verse 19 and 20, here's what we see. It says this, it says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he have wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, we ask you to speak to our hearts. Lord, remind us of your perfect will. Lord, continue to give us truth and light. Lord, help us to know that you are for us and not against us. Help us to rest in your sovereign exercise of your power. Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen. And so when we think a little bit more about this power that we're going to be talking about today, the mighty power of God works so profoundly in the lives of believers. And so that's something for us to hold on to, to contemplate, to contemplate the, the power that's available to us as believers in Jesus Christ. It should cause us to have an awe God moment. Okay? And here's the, the awe God moment that I want you to think about. That God's power has power over sin. The sin that so easily besets us, that so easily can separate us from the plan and the purpose that God has for us. God's power is over sin. So any sin that may try to creep up on us, any sin that has, has, has overtaken us in the past or we've been caught up in, God is sufficient. His power is sufficient to overcome any temptation of the devil. We also, his power is to, helps us to resist trusting in ourselves. See, I, I just want to just meditate on that a little bit. That kind of gives me an awe moment because I spent a lot of years trying to trust in myself and trust in my abilities and my ways of doing things. But see, his power, his sovereign will, his plan and purpose for our lives tells us not to trust in our own abilities and ourself. But we trust in him and his power within us. Also, that power gives us the ability to forgive. Have anybody in here had a tough time forgiving somebody? And has that just held, you know, it seemed like the more you thought about it, the more you kind of anguished over that thing, it got even tougher to forgive? See, it was in our own ability, but when we allow his ability and his power to rest and rule our lives, we're able to forgive. We're able to let go and let God. 
And also his power gives us the ability to love. To not love like the world loves, not love conditionally, but to have unconditional love for others. That even when they do something we don't like, we still love them. Even when they despitefully use us or talk about us or say something unkind, the love of God is more powerful. And we're able to rest in his agape love, his unconditional love. So we look at these scriptures in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 as the ultimate answer to what kind of power operates inside of us. Let us look at this phrase, exceeding greatness of his power. As these words were Paul's answer to describe how great is the power of God that works in us. Exceeding greatness. See, the word exceeding is the Greek word for hyperbolo. Hyperbolo. A compound of the words hopper and ballo. The word hopper describes something that is above and beyond anything. The word ballo means to throw or to hurl. And when we put these together, there's an illustration of a marksman with an arrow. And maybe his target is about 300 meters away. But he pulls it with such tenacity and force and power that the hopper is the exceeding that it goes well past that target. It's hurled well past that target. And so the Greek words is trying to give us the illustration that God's exceeding great power sells and hurls past any challenge or trial we could ever have. Any weakness, any suffering, anything that seems like it wants to overtake us and wants to destroy us, God's exceeding power is greater, and it flows past it. However, when these words are used in conjunction with each other, together they depict the overshooting overreaching, surpassing, and eclipsing of any goal. Let's just hold on to it. See, the word greatness in the Greek word also means megithos, a form of mega, meaning great. Anybody ever seen the movie Transformer? And one of the movie's transformers, one of the leaders in that movie is called Megatron. In other words, they're saying he's the great transformer. He's the big one. He's the big guy. And so God wants us to be reminded that he is great. He's glorious. He's bigger than any challenge that we may have. However, Megithos, this word would be better translated vast. Think about that, vast, no limits. This means that the power Paul is describing is boundless, immense, limitless, measureless, and vast. See, some of your, your translations may take that word and, and translate it to immeasurable, that we can't measure the greatness of God. One could say that it is so mighty that it is, that it is simply beyond human ability to measure. 
But it's important that we look at the word power. Because if we're not careful, we could take this word and say, well, I'm a Christian. I'm in a congregation. There's great power that Pastor Jeff is talking about. And if we're not careful, we can use that word to not walk in humbleness of spirit. To not walk in humbleness before one another. To not love one another with a forgiving heart, a long-suffering heart, a willing to bear with one another. And so it's so important that we understand what we mean when we look in the scriptures and we see this word power. See, the word power is from the well-known Greek word dunamis, which describes power or ability. But very often in classical Greek, the word dunamis was also used to depict the assembled forces of an army whose combined strength enabled them to achieve unrivaled victories. These troops were so strong that simply they could not be resisted. And see, we see that in the scriptures. We see one of the ones that God allowed to come and afflict the Jewish people of that day was the Babylon nation. And the Babylon nation came in a way that they were an overwhelming force, and they would come to steal, kill, and destroy. But if we look at those scriptures closely, we would see that they didn't do anything that God didn't allow. And sometimes we can look at that and say, well, why would God allow such an evil people to afflict his people? But see, it wasn't to hurt them. It wasn't to destroy them. It wasn't to tear them down. It was actually to build them up. See, we look at Jeremiah, and Jeremiah was speaking to the Israelites, and he was reminding them. In Jeremiah 29 11, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a hope and a future. That even in the midst of where we may see power in this world, it is not greater than the power of God. It's not greater than his love for us. It's not greater than the calling that he's placed upon our lives. And how that calling is unbreakable, that calling is unceasing. It's not greater than the riches of his glory in us. Because he's placed life in us. He's placed love, his love in us. And he's placed his light that we would know the truth and the truth would make us free. And so we were reminded that the scripture says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And so we can look at the depravity of this world, the destruction, and say little power, little God, big power, big God. So we're able to make a comparison and see how great and how awesome our God is. But in addition, we find in classical Greek that in the, the Greek Old Testament that the word dunamis can also describe the power that is inherent in a certain aspect of nature. For example, the power in a hurricane would be described as dunamis power because it is power so mighty that it's impossible to resist or impossible to defeat. We know a little bit about that in Louisiana, right? 
at the raging storms of this world. That how it can rip a, two, a, a roof off that had been standing for over 38 years. And it can rip it like butter and cause great destruction. But how many of you in here know that God's power can restore and rebuild like it never did happen? That God can make all things new. That God is so good that he'll turn mourning, he'll turn sadness into joy. He'll turn darkness into light. He'll cause a storm to cease and bring restoration. So Paul expresses this form of power also in 2 Timothy the chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. Would you turn there with me? When writing to Timothy about the calling on Timothy's life, he reminds Timothy that you're going to experience hardships. You're going to experience challenges. You're going to have times of weariness. But it's so important that you remember the gift of God. In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 through 8, it says this, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. See, we need to really see what, what, what Paul is saying, Timothy, there. He said, there's a gift inside of you. There's things that God has given you, and when you stir it up, you're going to allow those things to come out. You're going to see them more clearly, and they're going to give you strength to endure. He says, for God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You can stand in the midst of a storm, and you know you're going to be all right. You can stand in the midst of a trial, and you know that God is able, that he will see you through. And that you will be, and that if you allow yourself to share with the suffering of Christ, according to the power of God that is within you. See, when we know that God is for us and not against us, when we know that God lives and breathes in us, and that he's gifted us with his light, with his love, with his life, then there's something that happens on the inside of us that no matter what we go through, we can trust in him, that we can be patient and long-suffering, that we can do as God did for us. He forbeared. He looked at sin, and he was willing to pass over it, not forget about it, not say that it wasn't there, but to give time for Christ to meet us at the very point of our need, and that we would do the same, is that we would give Christ time to meet somebody else at the very point of their need. See, that's power. See, power is not all about, it's not about swinging and how much we can do on the outside, but what are we doing on the inside? 
Are we resisting those temptations for fairness? Are we resisting those temptations for justice? And just as God was willing to hold back his righteous judgment for us, we would be willing to hold back for others. And as they're pointing that finger at us, and then as they're persecuting us, and they're coming against us, we're standing. When we've done all that we can do to stand, we stand and we rest in him because of he strengthens us. He gives us his power to hold on, to be anchored in him, no matter what it looks like. I don't know how it all happens, but somebody sees that, sees you in the department store, sees you at work, sees you at school, and how you just seem to be at peace. When everything around you is falling down, and they may not say it, but there's something going on. I need to know what that person has. I need to know what's causing them to not act out and act up. I need to know what they're holding on to. And so Paul reminds Timothy to hold on, to stir up, to don't walk in fear, but walk in the power of God and the love of God and in a sound mind. Be sober knowing that you serve a great God. Don't believe the lie, but believe truth. So when Paul used these three words to describe the power of God that works in us, hyperbolo, megithos, deutimus, he was piling image on top of image to show how overshooting and irresistible the power of God is to us who believe. The power of God is so mighty that it neither can neither be measured nor resisted. There is simply no human power in existence that can compare to it. So whatever you're trying to achieve in this world, lay it down before the mighty hand of God. Let his power rest in you. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, God doesn't leave out anything, but he wants us to put first things first. The Apostle Paul went on to say in that same scripture, mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised Christ from the dead. See, there had to be power in Christ. Paul was making it emphatically clear that no power has ever equaled Arrival, the power that was required for Christ's resurrection. It was the greatest manifestation of power that the universe has ever witnessed. See, let's think about that. Jesus Christ took upon the sins of the entire world, laid them on himself. This so magnitude of sin upon him. And he died on the cross for your sins and my sins. And that wasn't just a, a, a death. It was a sure, violent, evil death. And they didn't just want to kill him. They wanted to drag every fiber of his being into hell. But there was some power in Christ because he was God in the flesh. And that power of righteousness of holiness pierced through sin. 
death and fought through death and brought life. See, dead people cannot help themselves. Life does not come from non-life. This is why salvation is all about grace. If you've never heard this before, you need to hold on to this. See, we are incapable of doing anything to save ourselves. Dead people cannot do anything but be dead. Only Jesus, the author of life, can save us. Only Jesus, God in the flesh, who is light and love and life, could break the sting of death and overcome the grave. So he got up. He got out of that grave. He resurrected from the dead, and he brought life. See, the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Man is sinful, spiritually dead, but God gives life. See, think about Jesus a little bit. The power of God literally sees Jesus from death's grip. The power of God raised him back into his holy, into his body. And then continued to lift him through demonic principalities, powers, might that was trying to hold him, and dominions until he was seated at his throne at the right hand of the Father. See, this is who we serve. No power in hell or on earth, and no principality of power or power in the heavens was able to resist this demonstration of divine power. That power lives in you. See, we don't even like to accept that. It's hard for us to believe that. See, Jane Eplin, a writer for Activity Active Christianity, said this. The same power that parted the Red Sea is available to you. God holds the whole ocean in his hands, and he created the land on which we stand and walk. This same power is available to us today. By this power, we can be liberated from the sin that dwells within us. We can push it out. We can cast it out. So just think about this. God doesn't just put a small dose of his power inside of us who believe. He has placed the power of his son's resurrection in us. The same power that got Jesus out of the grave. The same power that defeated principalities and powers enthroned in high places and powers of wickedness. That same power resonates in us. It is a power that utterly eclipses any other power. It is full, boundless, measureless energy. So mighty that no evil power can resist it or overtake it. And God has made it available to those who believe. 1 John 4, 4 says this, We are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So you need to hold on to that. Greater is Christ in you. You have been equipped. You have been made the adopted child of God. And there is no power in this world 
that is greater than the power that lives in you. His power is not just destructive. It's not just vast, but his power is beautiful. His power in us is not just exceedingly great and awesome, but it is a beautiful and wonderful work of a great composition of music. See, God's working in you, and he's developing this composition. It's not going to look the same, that it's unique to you. And God wants to compose a great masterpiece in and through you. See, we are his masterpiece. There's a powerful force and a voice moving inside of us. See, our challenge is to grow silent to this world so that we can hear the great voice within us, so that we can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to us, that we can see him moving in and through us. Look at many of the figures in the Old Testament. They always try to hear God. And remember what Job said? He said, I've heard you with the hearing of the ear, but now I see you. See, God wants to move each and every one of us to a point of seeing him. That we just wouldn't hear him, but we would see him in the ferment of his power, in the spirit of his truth. So he ends it with this in verse 20. He says, all of this, my desire is that you would know the hope of his calling. That God goes before you, that he loves you, that he hasn't forgotten about you. That he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And that he's going to work it out if you let him and that if you walk with him. And he says, it's important that we know the riches of his glory. That we're rich before God. That all that we have, none of it compares to the riches that we have in God. That he's been long-suffering towards us. That he's been forbearing that he's been patient, that he's willing to do that for each and every one of us so that we would come to the full knowledge of his love for us, that we would be able to see him, that the lights of our understanding would be enlightened and that we would allow the life of him to flow through us mightily according to the working of his mighty power. What he's saying that, uh, again, I want you to know that I'm not going to force any of this on you. It's according to how much you want it, how much you're willing to take, how much you're willing to receive, how much you're willing to allow me to pour in and transform your life. See, we must allow his work in us, in us. See, it means very little if we do not allow his power to work in us. That maybe we could just stay right where we're at. We could look like a good Christian, stay in our box, never allow God to really press us. But what if we knew that we knew that we knew that it's an absolutely sure thing? That we didn't have any more skepticism, any more doubt. That we knew that the work that he's begun in us, that he's faithful and just to complete it. And that he's more powerful than anything on the outside and on the inside. 
and that we trust him. And we go, where you lead, Lord, I will follow. And you start seeing the exceeding greatness of his power. Because you get in the face, and when you start stepping out, the devil's right there, and he doesn't like it, and you get in the face of trial and tribulation, and you can't do it for yourself. And God, in his wisdom and power, walks you through it, lifts you up, and brings you to a higher place in him. And he does it over and over and over again. And before you know it, you're not just hearing about him, but you're seeing him. And his exceeding greatness is coming out of you. Wouldn't we want to give him a shout of praise for that? Let him do that in your life. I guarantee you, you won't regret it.